Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And by the way, if you are a subscriber of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, go check your mail right now. Because you might have a magazine there. Over here we got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up? Ah, not bad, not bad. And over there we got Mallory Hartley. Mallory, how are you doing? Pretty good. I got my magazine this weekend, so I'm doing <laughs> A-okay today. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, this is a little into the weeds, right? We changed the way that we ship these magazines, and they seem to have made a real difference. People are getting them right away. Yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot sooner. Uh, people posting them on social media, things like that, a lot sooner than we have in the past. I yeah. feel like that's all I saw on Twitter <laughs> this week were just people posting, which makes me happy because I, it makes them happy. Yeah. So, Well, I think that that's a good indicator that you follow either me or Matt Stepp because we have basically just been retweeting anybody <laughs> who comes across the timeline. Right. I think L- that's it. Listen, there is no better way, right? to advertise and be like hey if you had been a subscriber you would already know absolutely absolutely <laughs> and actually i did point out to people uh so one of our sponsors for the cover reveal was home field apparel mm-hmm. and they just announced last week they had the university of texas as their new release yep. this week it's texas a&m yep and if you had checked the back of the magazine if you were a subscriber they actually announced it back there yeah. before they ever announced it to anybody even else. the texas drop too even the text drop so Become a subscriber, textfootball.com slash subscribe. If you are not a subscriber, we will start hitting bookshelves probably like the second week of July, a little after July 4th. That's usually when it happens. But uh, again, textfootball.com slash subscribe is the best way to get it. Well, we do have to mention, by the way, Ishmael Johnson. Yes. Your Phoenix Suns. Oh, my gosh. Western Conference Finals. Oh, man, this is wild. Uh, legitimately been 11 years <laughs> 11 since years. this happened. <laughs> um, I was a senior in high school last time I was watching them play the Lakers. And it just happens to be another Los Angeles team. Uh, yeah, I want to know. This is this feels weird. <laughs> we are recording on Monday, by the way. This episode yeah, will yeah, come, yeah. come yes. out on Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, and, and for people, you know, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Right. Tuesday night is going to be ultimate pain for me after yes. we lose our pick, after not moving up. So this is the moments before a disaster right. type of recording for right. me. <laughs> but, uh, man, the basketball is good right now. Oh, it's so much fun right now. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I watched it all last night, too, and – it's funny, Ish, you and I were talking about, I guess, like last week, mm-hmm. the last Dallas Mavericks game I went to was like three years ago. It was yeah. the last game of the season against the Suns. <laughs> the game didn't matter. That both I, of, both oh, teams were trying that. to lose. And now, what the heck? Yeah, it's completely, fortunes turned completely around in the span of three years. Like, uh, yeah, both teams were tanking, trying to get the picks that eventually <laughs> the highest, turned Luka yeah. and Aiton. Like, yeah, it... <laughs> Now they're, you know, Sun, Mavericks on the cusp of breaking through uh, to be a cont- uh, contender. Suns are in the Western Conference Finals. Who would have thought? Yeah, me and my friend Toby, he was a Mavericks fan. We actually made a, when we both had the, the, the both teams had the top three picks or the top four picks, uh, we made a, we were joking, but we were like, oh man, uh, here comes the 2023 Western Conference <laughs> Finals right here. And so we're like, when the Mavericks were up on the Clippers, we're like, is it going to expedite? Are we going to have the 2021 Western Conference Finals? <laughs> well, well, listen, uh, this gives me hope as yeah. a Chicago Bulls fan that, Things can uh, turn around, man. you know, eventually maybe we'll be the seventh seed and lose in the play-in, you right. know? Yeah. So, Someday, one day soon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are a college football podcast. We don't have to stay too too long on that. But uh, there is a little bit of news this morning. Uh, the news broke. Again, this is recorded on Monday. If something crazy has happened in the next two days, I apologize. Nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Supreme Court 
not usually something we talk about <laughs> on the Republican Football <laughs> Podcast. The Supreme Court has come out with a decision in the Alston versus NCAA case. Basically, they, they came out and more or less said that the NCAA's definition of amateurism is weak. Yes. And that they, I believe I have it right here, they ruled unanimously, again, 9 nothing, 9 nothing, <laughs> Which is insane in this hyper-partisan era yeah. of politics. 9 uh, nothing unanimously, that the NCAA went too far in blocking some educational-related aid to student-athletes. Yes. Um, a decision, that I'm reading from NBC News, a decision that comes as college athletics struggles with the issues of how to preserve its amateur status. And... So what that means is uh, 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 education-related aid, right? This does not have to do with compensation per se as far no. as uh, image and likeness, right? That's the big – people are talking about that, but that's not what this decision was right, about. Right, right. And so what it comes down to, though, is that this is a huge dent mm -hmm. in the idea, like you mentioned, of amateurism, but also a huge dent in the idea that the NCAA has the right to be exempt from antitrust laws. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be something heading forward. Like you mentioned, I mean, Texas actually last week approved NIL legislation. Mm. And so I, maybe we can get into the weeds of that yeah. a little bit more next week or something yeah. like that. To, but for, for, for some, you know, antitrust laws. So just to break that down a, yeah. a little bit, <laughs> uh, that's basically the, what keeps theoretically, it doesn't say it, in, it doesn't actually happen, but theoretically what keeps monopolies from forming, what right. keeps price fixing things like those are antitrust laws. Um, I'm trying to figure out another uh, example of that. Uh, rigged bids for mergers, um, basically things that keep that w it's it, they're meant to keep the markets theoretically free. Right. Right. And the NCAA has been able to hide behind that because you know th their idea of amateurism and things like that. And basically, the NCAA again, the NCAA didn't rule that you know image and likeness can happen and all this stuff, but it opened the door yes. by saying that the NCAA's definition of amateurism does not hold water. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll mention too is that. Pro sports leagues famously do have an antitrust exemption. Yeah. So, for example, there are rules that make it so that the San Antonio Spurs can be competitive with the New York Knicks. Right. That's the idea behind them. And so if they were kind of independent businesses per se, then, yeah, you could say, okay, well, you know, they're colluding to make it so that whatever team, right, mm -hmm. the Orlando Magic can compete with the richest teams. Yeah. And the NBA is saying, no, that's actually okay. We're mm -hmm. okay with that. And our our companies are okay with that, and our teams are okay with that. So one of the one of the things I do want to hint on is I was reading the opinion uh, written by uh, Justice Kavanaugh, and he concurring opinion by yes, yeah, sorry, concurring opinion yes. by Justice Kavanaugh. He, I think, uh, Gorsuch yes, wrote the he majority. Did. Um, Just not the people you'd expect. Right, exactly. Um, I was reading Kavanaugh, and he was a lot more scathing to yes. the NCAA. And I want to, I'm going to paraphrase one part, but I want to read one part verbatim, because uh, he goes into talking about. You know, if uh, if it turns out that some or all of the NCAA's remaining compensation violate the antitrust laws, you know, some interesting questions arise, you know, as far as like Title IX and like other things like that. If they, you know, he's talking about he's, he's speculating about future cases, potentially uh, paying athletes deserve some type of salary cap. Right. He talks about theoretical questions. Sure. The part that really uh, one of my friends who's a labor lawyer, he really was uh, his ears perked up when this paragraph hit. Of course, those difficult questions could be resolved, I'm reading from his opinion, mm -hmm. um, could be resolved in ways other than litigation. Legislation could be one option. Or colleges and student athletes could potentially engage in collective bargaining right. or seek uh, some other negotiated agreement to provide student athletes a fair share of revenues as they generate for their colleges, akin to how professional football and basketball players have negotiated for a share of the league's revenues. 
Brett Kavanaugh's literally say, hey, remember how Northwestern tried to uh, organize a couple years ago? I forget yes. the quarterback's name. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting his name, but he tried to uh, have a players' union, didn't go through. Justice Kavanaugh's basically saying, hey, you want to try that again? Right, <laughs> right. No, it'll be really interesting. And yeah. we have no guarantee that this is going to mean anything in practice. Sure. All we know right now is that it means that schools have the opportunity to give potentially more types of aid to mm -hmm. student-athletes. Now, we're still going to have to figure out how those lines will be drawn, mm -hmm. right? Because I think that one one particular thing that I saw mentioned was like, okay, back in the past, the NCAA might have not let you buy computers, for right. example, for your kids. Yeah. You need a computer right. to, for class. Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, – it mentions the, – the NBC News article mentions like musical instruments, scientific equipment, yep. postgraduate scholarships – tutoring, things like that, they're all like, they all fall under what right. should be necessarily compensated to. Right. So. And so we're obviously going to see what the limit is, uh, one of what the NCAA will allow, mm -hmm. but also of what the Supreme Court is saying. Mm -hmm. I mean, because again, I, I was mentioning this uh, on the pre-show, right? I mean, you need a car to get to school, right? Yeah. You need a Vespa or whatever. Right. You can make an argument about almost anything. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we've all... So how do you draw that line? Right. You know? I th and I think that's where, and again, the, you know, the next case that potentially makes its way up to the Supreme Court you know, it's probably a couple years away, mm -hmm. but I'm curious to see what that line is. Right. Because you, mentioned, you made a good point where it's like, what is the line? It's like, it's opening the door to say, well, let's see. Right. Like if somebody right. says, hey, I want to have a car that helps me get to and from practice or whatever. Okay, let's just open the door. Because I think uh, Greg put it uh, a perfect way on uh, Texas Football Today where he said, the Supreme Court only answers the questions you give it. Yes. Right. And so by the the reason why you look to the opinion yes. is because, again, they're only talking about this specific case, but the opinion sets precedent as far as what their line of thinking is. And so the fact that we know that the NCAA is or the, the Supreme Court is open to this idea of, OK, the NCAA's idea of amateurism is a sham. It does not hold water. And it is very, very it's standing on very uh, brittle ground. So they're basically giving you the hammer <laughs> to knock it down and say, right. test us, because we're very much in your corner. Right. And if I was in that position, heck, yeah, I'm going to argue for a free car. <laughs> right. Who wouldn't, you know? Get some type of compensation that you deserve, right? Right. Like, Might as well. I think it'll be... Uh, I think it'll be something to the form of like, uh, I don't want to say like exactly a Manziel situation, but sure. something like a, something that I'm doing to potentially make money, right. a sponsorship or something. I think it'll be in that form. Right. Yes. No, that that's what you'd expect. Right. So it'll be interesting the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. Then again, July 1st, we're going to have this NIL stuff come through. It'll be interesting to see how the NCAA tries and maybe doesn't try to enforce stuff, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, in accordance with that. So a lot of off-field stuff, obviously. This is obviously the central question of college athletics, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Is this, and it's magnified with the Olympics happening right now. Where yes. you have, true. I mean, I remember, yeah, well, I remember back, uh, I, I was at Baylor at the same time as Trayvon Bromel, uh, mm -hmm. where, when he first started, and he left the Baylor track team as a sophomore because he, like, made the Olympics, and it's like, well, am I supposed to not profit off this? Right, mm -hmm. right. So he paid his way to go to school after that because he was, I, I still want to go to school. I still want right. to get a degree. But, like, I can make way more money by just, you know, being a, a sponsored athlete, I think he's a New Balance athlete, than you can by just being, the, uh, you know, an athlete on campus. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know Katie Ledecky, after the last yeah. Olympics, was another very notable one. She was trying to go to Stanford and compete at the college level, and they were like, well, guess you can't make any money. Right. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Yeah. We, we should want Katie Ledecky to be competing right. at the NCAA Swimming Championships. Right. 100%. That's good for everybody. Yeah. So. 
hopefully this is the beginning of the end. Yes. I mean, there's I, a, there are a lot of steps, but I yeah. think it shows that the. I, I also think it shows like the NCAA is fighting a losing battle at this yes. point because we've already seen legislation. Right, we talked yes. about California. We just talked about Texas uh, passing NL, NIL laws and and just name and likeness. And now you get the Supreme Court, right? So now it's like the legislative branch is on the side of the players, <laughs> and now the judicial branch. And now you're literally waiting for like that one last hammer to potentially right. drop with somebody else, just like that one last swing right so yeah and i did see i can't remember which senator it was but one senator said that this is basically a kick in the butt to say okay nationally at the federal level we need federal nil legislation right it has to happen soon because otherwise it's just going to be a a brave new world out there Mm -hmm. right so moving on we are going to go through the over-unders. Uh, I believe it's DraftKings put out a, a group of over-unders. We're going to start with the Power Five. Next, we're going to go to the Group of Five. Uh, first thing that I'll say, some of these are just – I know that this is my deal, right, mm-hmm. is, is watching these 12 teams especially and, and looking at them and understanding every detail about them, but I am so confused by some of these. I am so – more in the Group of Five, I think, than at the Power Five mm-hmm. level. But, like, who boy. I don't know. I mean – Obviously, Vegas knows stuff that we don't know. Yeah. That's just always a big part of it, right? But, man, it's – we'll get into it. Let's just get into it right now, okay, yeah. before I go off on, <laughs> on some side rant, okay? Just do it. We're going to go lowest win total to highest, okay? So, for people who don't know, people who don't gamble, uh, when a team has an over-under for win-loss, it means – okay, let's say that the win-loss is set at six. Mm-hmm. It means that if you bet that they go over and they get to seven, then you win. If they go under and you bet under, then you win. Now, I will say, if you if you push, then just you get your money back, basically, yeah. right? So, so basically, what this is saying, and we'll start actually with this, with Texas Tech at four and a half. So, what this means is that if Texas Tech wins five games, they've gone over what Vegas expects for them to do for the year. So, starting with Texas Tech, four and a half. Mm. What do you think, Ish? They really don't like Texas Tech, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see it. I can. I can. I understand why, right? Shaky ground under Matt Wells' first two years. Staff shakeup, a little bit of a staff shakeup, you know, kind of still trying to figure out what the quarter – I mean, we, we figure that the quarterback position is pretty good, but, again, still unsure. It could – there is a chance it could just all fall apart. Sure. And, you know, they win four games and he gets – he loses his job. I, I think we're very much more optimistic about Tech than that, but I can see where they were thinking with a line of four and a half, right? Shaky staff situation. You don't really know – I think they get six, seven, right? I think pretty clearly. I would, I, uh, me personally, I would bet the over, but I'm not sup- not too surprised. I probably would have gone five and a half. Yeah, I think four and a half might be a little bit too low, but you know, that's just me. Well, here's the thing that I'll say, right? They went three and seven last year. Yeah. So they, or no, no, sorry, they went four and six last yeah. year. So are they worse than right. last year? That's what you're asking. If yeah. you are saying that they're going to win four games, like you said, it's a bottoming out. That would, that's what would need to happen for them to even just win four games to me. Because if you have three non-conference games last year, you at least win five guaranteed, yeah. and you might get to six, right? And so I do think that this first game, Texas Tech versus Houston, is going to be huge for both these teams, mm-hmm. but especially Texas Tech. I think you need to go 3-0 and through your non-conference slate to feel good about making a bowl game, but... Like you said, I, I just don't see Tech being worse than last year. And yeah. granted, the rest of the Big 12, I think, is going to be better. But I mean, I basically see – I'm looking at their schedule. I basically see four – at least very least three guaranteed wins. Yes. Right? And one, two – I'm looking at Houston, uh, Kansas State, 
potentially Iowa State. Iowa State lost a lot. I still don't know about them. Um, but, like, at least those two, right? You look at Houston, you look at Kansas State. That's five wins right there. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It To me, it, that's a really weird line to have it at four and a half to basically say, yeah, they're pro- – you know, I don't know. You'd have to be really low on Texas Tech. Right. And I think that I've been clear that I'm not, especially. Right, right. I, I think that maybe I'm going a little too far. Open a magazine. We're not low on Texas <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think what's about to happen is I'm going to be banned from the city of Lubbock if they win four games because I I just see the vision, right? To me, yeah. when you look at their, them the last couple of years, it's been very clearly just offensive consistency. That's what it's come down to. And a big part of that has been quarterback injuries. A big part of that has been shuffling, a, quarterbacks. shuffling quarterbacks and also just like a bland system, right? And I'm not – I'm not lying to myself that Sonny Cumbie's going to come and reinvent the wheel at Texas Tech. Right. But I think he can do a little more than what David Yost did the past couple of years. And so if you, if the offense is a little better, mm. not even a lot better, I mean, come on. I, I think that the defense has shown that it's really grown quite a bit the past couple of years. They still struggled in close games, by the way. So, mm. like, if you can flip some of these close games. Like, this is not a team that's been blown out. Yeah. Right. This is not a team that like maybe one or two games, I think, back in 2020, did they get blown out? And one was Oklahoma, which, OK. Everybody gets blown out of Oklahoma. <laughs> OK. And so I think that we'll learn pretty quick, I think, what exactly this team is at. But I, I mean, they have to go on the road to West Virginia. But like that's not a, that's not a surefire loss yeah. at Texas. I mean, Texas, that's their first Big 12 game, I believe. That's not a surefire loss. Like and they only need to get like one or two of these. Right. They don't need to win all of them. So. Four and a half is a crazy line to me. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> but moving on to Baylor. Baylor said at five and a half. I think about the right line. I, yeah. I think that's about right. What are your first thoughts? Um, I think it's about the same, too. I'm, I mean, it just boils down to what we expect Jeff Grimes to bring that o- to that offense, right? Right. Um, I think we both agree that maybe Mateos might be the biggest acquisition immediately. Yes. Um, until they get some of, their, some of the recruits and the, the, the weapons that uh, Jeff Grimes maybe needs. But – yeah, I think I think that's a fair line if you're just kind of conservative on Baylor. You're not necessarily low, yeah. not necessarily betting high, but you are just kind of like, eh, well, it's a wait and see line to me, right? For are sure. they a bowl team or not? Right, that's that's literally the question you're asking. Are they going to get six or five wins? Right. And same sort of deal. You look back at last year, two and seven. Really mm-hmm. horrific season in right. a lot of ways. Right. You lose the three non-conference games. I think that you feel different about it if you're like, oh, they went five and seven. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's something that I feel like even going into the Big 12 slate this year, everybody's just kind of lost that side of it. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, I guess the Power Five in general, right, with hardly anybody having non-conference games. I'm not saying that that should make you feel a whole lot better or worse about it, but it just feels different if it's four and eight or five and seven yeah. than it does two and seven, right? It just feels different. And so you head into this year, I think that there's a lot to like, right? I think that defense has a chance to be really good. I think offensively, they're... Not, they're not necessarily a whole lot more talented, but mm-hmm. I think that they're going to be a lot more focused mm-hmm. in a way that I think uh, that they were not last year. And I've talked about it before. I don't feel like they were even that necessarily in 2019 either. I don't think that they had a clear identity. I don't think they had a clear game plan. That's the funny thing about like Charlie Brewer uh, struggling last year is he was the reason. He kind of carried them yeah. in a lot of those games. Yeah. And so if the offense is okay, not great, right. if they are the seventh best offense in the Big 12, like this team's pretty good. Yeah, I think that the the way their schedule is oriented. Yes, I think Iowa State's going to be their the, where we really know what this team is. Yeah, right. I think you get Texas. You open up at Texas State, Texas Southern, at Kansas. Okay, those are like three. 
should be easy. Yeah, subs exactly. For you, should, you should be three and zero. Yes. Right. right. After that, that first testing game will be that Iowa State. Uh, uh, game. Of course, we do have the ROF Bowl in Week One. Oh right? yes, we do. Have, <laughs> with yes. the Baylor versus Texas State in San Marcos. I don't know how that happened, but uh, I will probably be there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like yeah, you're not going to learn much about them as far as playing comp- their level of competition right, until right. Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And so if they come out and they get, you know, I don't say beat down by, I don't think that's going to happen. But if they come out they and could. they just look, they certainly could, maybe. But um, if they come out and look good, okay, then I'm feeling really good about this Baylor right. team, right? Right. So yeah, yeah, I, I think that you're right. You get to three and zero before you really have to even start asking questions. You get Iowa State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. That's going to be a pretty tough stretch. You get BYU at home. That's going to be, I think, a really interesting game for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of which is. Obviously, the offensive coordinator at Baylor, Jeff Grimes, coming from BYU. So that's going to be a very motivated game for BYU. But, you know, again, you have to get to three Big 12 wins to to get the over on this. I Mm -hmm. think that's doable. It's not going to be easy, right? I I think that there's going to be a lot of tough games. But you should beat Kansas, like you mentioned. Or you will beat Kansas. I I don't think Kansas is going to be ready at this point. You know, you get West Virginia at McLean, and West Virginia lost their entire defense mm-hmm. after last year, and then you just got to find I mean, one like, more. Even uh, I mean, BYU was good last year, but BYU lost all of their production Everyone. and including their offensive coordinator to your team. Mm-hmm. So like, right, right. <laughs> hey, not to my team. We're we're objective on this. Oh show. yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so I I think that five and a half is a good line. I think that they're going to be right at five or six. Uh, I could see more, but mm-hmm. I, I think that that's probably about right. I would bet the over. I think I have them going six and six. Mm-hmm. But uh, what about you? Do you think that they hit the over/under? I think they hit the over. I'm pretty. I'm more optimistic on Baylor. Yeah, yeah. So this one is crazy to me. TCU at seven. <sighs> crazy in what way? I think this is shockingly low. I, I think that this is very much a. We look at what they did the last couple of years and didn't look at what they have coming this year. To be fair, I agree with you. To be fair, on behalf of them, I could. We've been saying, kind of saying that the past couple of years. To be like, I haven't. <laughs> I think well, no, we. I think we have been saying like, oh, they're just going to turn it around. Like it's just like it, we gave Gary Patterson the, the you know the, the the benefit of the doubt for longevity, and you know we brought we kept bringing up the stats. Uh, oh, TCU after a losing season, they just rebounded automatically. And I think this is them saying, yeah, we're, just show it to us, right? We're sure. not gonna we're not gonna we're gonna stop speculating. We're just gonna say, are you gonna be good or not? And I think they will be good. I think they will have potentially. A, think they will compete for a dark horse big 12 title run um but yeah i i, I think that the, i i'm not surprised at this kind of measured another measured take so i think that it would be the next fair team we'll talk about i'm very shocked by, but. yes <laughs> I, I think that it's fair to be measured but i think that measured for this team is seven and a half or eight like okay. I, I think that i think that eight is probably a reasonable not just uh, like an expectation they mm-hmm. should get to eight if they don't get to eight i think that's very disappointing sure. um I will mention they have a difficult non-conference. They do host both teams, but they play Cal and they play SMU, which are both mm-hmm. – they'll beat both of those teams, I think, but it's going to be very close. Cal's tough. Yeah, Cal Cal's is tough. Interesting, interesting game. I think they're a top 50-ish team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're the type of team that TCU should beat but could lose to. Sure. And, and same with SMU, obviously. I mean, we, we are very high on SMU, as everybody knows. Right. Then you get Texas at home, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma. I think you need to – go two and one in that stretch to feel great mm-hmm. but i think that's again i think that's doable west virginia you get at home baylor you get at home like i don't know i like i look at this at iowa state feels like a loss at oklahoma feels like a loss i, I mean at oklahoma state's tough that that's probably going to be a critical game for them but i don't 
really see them losing another one of these. I mean, I guess if Kansas State was really good, you know, which some people see, I don't know if I see that. Uh, I'm probably, for me, I mean, not to get into Kansas State discourse, but, like, they were very dependent on explosive plays last year. Mm -hmm. They were basically, like, like, I think that something, some crazy percentage of Deuce Vaughn's yards came on, like, six plays. Right. Right. And so the question is, okay, yes, Skylar Thompson is coming back, but do they have the play-to-play consistency? Right. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And I haven't so seen their their 63rd in uh, preseason SP plus. So you're saying Kansas State is? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's decent. Yeah, right? it's okay. Not great. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. So I think that this is an easy over. I think that eight and four is expectations, and I think nine and three is their real expectations. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what we sh- we should expect of them. Sure. Um, and again, there's upside. The biggest thing to me is that they return the entire offense. Yeah. The entire offense. And so if it doesn't happen this year, it is never going to happen, <laughs> right? Like, that's my feeling right. is that this is your last chance at saying that you can make a good offense. And and if not, like, yeah, you got to start asking some difficult questions of TCU, I think. Yeah. And you streamline that offensive room, right? Cumbie's gone. I'm not yeah. saying that was a bad or good or bad thing. I'm just saying less voices in the right. room. So you have more of a uh, cohesive voice of what you want to do on offense too. So yeah, and another of this is a good point that I didn't you know uh, our good friend Parker over at uh, yep. Purple Purple oh god uh, what's the show uh, Purple Theory Purple Theory uh, mentioned is like Max Duggan's first real off season yeah well, like that's, that's a thing so like yeah I'm I'm pretty optimistic on yeah me, me and Parker have had the uh, the long standing Max Duggan uh, discussion and my question does still come down to is everyone else around him any good? Right. You know, is it, I think that they're going to be very good running the ball. I don't think that their offensive line is that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that Obena easy is at least a serv- serviceable replacement for TJ storm, but I don't know that he's yes. an upgrade. Sure. And you kind of start looking at those numbers in those last six games. It starts being like, Oh, maybe they just played a bunch of bad defensive lines. Mm-hmm. Maybe it mm-hmm. wasn't that they just got so much better. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's a fair question to ask. Uh, they have some young guys, so maybe like a Garrett Hayes starts pushing his way into the starting lineup, and and that helps. But you know, but I, I do think that even with an okay offense, kind of like what I was talking about with Baylor, if they're okay on offense, if they're improved on offense, then I, I think they have a lot of upside. Yeah, I, let me let me save Texas for last. So okay. Texas A and M nine and a half. To me, this is an easy over. It's an easy <sighs> over for me. Yeah, I just even if you're not as high. I mean, we're obviously have put them on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> we're high on them. <laughs> um, even if you're not as high as us, you could just look at that schedule right. and just go over. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. whatever you think about what Haynes King will be at quarterback, whatever you know, presumably Haynes King. Whatever you think about the rest of that offensive talent outside of the backfield, um, even if you think the defense might be a little overhyped. I just look at that schedule. I'm like, that's 10. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, I see one loss, maybe. Yeah. To yeah. Alabama. Sure. Yeah. It's like, of course, it's Bama. And so right. you look at. I mean, I don't know. Are you, Easy, I'm not confident about LSU. LSU theoretically should be better. So I think that yeah. be better, I think that the worst case scenario, right, is that LSU is awesome and you go on the road and lose to them. Right. But I almost feel like, and I know this is crazy stuff. I almost feel like it's as likely that AM beats Alabama for that game as that they lose to somebody else. Like I just don't see anybody else on the schedule that can even compete with them. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. Like, let's see. West is always tough. It's yes. always talented. Yes. There's always a chance that somebody rises up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that uh, I think that going to Ole Miss that's that's a potential mayhem game. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're consistent enough defensively that they'll be okay. 
Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that they're going to get mayhemed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that – like, that. at Ole Miss is the classic game that Anum loses usually. Yeah. But I think that this team is different. I think that with their defensive line, I think with their defensive backs, I, I think it's going to be different. And that's the thing that I've said, right? I don't know how good this offense is going to be. Mm-hmm. I know how good I think this defense is going to be. Well, we know how good the backfield will be. Right. Correct, on the offense. Yes, right. yes, yes. And, uh, and, you know, so I think that they have a high floor for that reason. Yeah. The question is, if Haynes King isn't great, they're not going to beat Bama. They're not going to win a national title. They're not right. going to win the SEC. Right. But if Haynes King isn't great, they can still win 10 games. Yeah. So I, I think they just have such a high floor. I think this is an easy over for me. I'm a little surprised. Again, that is at 9.5. Like you said, prove it mode. They haven't won ten. They won ten one time since 1998. I was about to say that. Yeah. That's where the that's where the 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 books kind of came into play. Where they're just sure. like, there's a lot of hype behind AM. Mm-hmm. Do can they live up to? That? I was about to say it's literally just do you buy it or not? Right. right. This is an easy <laughs> schedule. Do they live up to what the right. baseline standard is, or do they fall back a little bit? Yeah. Um. Because yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like even if you're optimistic, right? Mm. I'm optimistic. About Arkansas, right? Right. Under, under Pittman. I'm opti- weighted optimism about Auburn. Mm-hmm. I think Brian Harson's a good coach. It'll take time. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm optimistic about Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. I think he'll do a great job, but not this year. Like, I yeah. think, and then I'm very pessimistic about LSU. But, you know, that's, <laughs> but like I said, even if you're optimistic about some of these coaches and where these trajectories of these programs are, it's not this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think that, uh, do you think that Mike Leach is going to adjust to people dropping eight and not knowing what to do? In no. Zone coverage? <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't done it ever, so no. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of the old, uh, and, you know, no shade to Mike Leach, but like, uh, it reminds me of the old Jimmy Lake. <laughs> reminds me of the old Jimmy Lake quote where he's like, "It's great playing uh, Washington State because we never have to change a game plan." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "We know what Mike Leach is going to do every single year," and they crushed him every single year. Yeah. Okay, let's finish with Texas. Oh, speaking of surprising lines, yeah. So Texas at eight. Why? <laughs> Here's what I'll say about Texas. Right, mm-hmm. I don't think they're, they're going to be a lot worse than last year and i think that they were i think that they were a lot better than people acted like they were this past season right they went seven and three they were very good Mm -hmm. they also lost joseph osai sam cosme and of course sam ellinger and now the thing that scares me the most about this texas team and this texas schedule is that they're gonna beat kansas they're gonna beat rice and they could potentially lose not that they will but but every other game on the schedule is losable yeah like to only have two guaranteed wins on the whole dang schedule. We were talking about with uh, with Baylor having four. Yeah. Right. Just because they played an easier non-conference, but Texas gets Louisiana, a top twenty-five team at home, mm-hmm. and then goes to Arkansas. Yeah. They should be. They will be favored in both of those games. Right. But come on. I don't. I, again, I don't know where the. Do they? Is this just the momentum of Alabama under Steve Sarkeesian, under Alabama's offense under Steve Sarkeesian, I should say? carrying over into like oh he's just gonna do that at texas in year one because i just don't see that i would it would be more it would be more believable if he carried like a very hyped recruiting class with him yeah um because he didn't no he didn't uh 2022 setting up to be pretty solid so like uh, you know next year maybe but yes i don't know and we don't know again is it carrying some of that casey thompson hype from the bowl game where it's like oh i think he could be very good i think he could be too but how much are you putting into that right and i don't know to where it's like i just don't see a nine win team right (laughs) in year one under steve sarkeesian i i I just don't know i 
I don't know. That's a baffling line to me because mm -hmm. there was no recruiting momentum, at least for 2021. There was no retur real returning player momentum. They have some good pieces, but right. as a whole, I'm it's it's a step down. Um, there are some. I mean, there are some leadership question marks we mentioned with Ellinger leaving. Like, who are the new guys that step up in that locker room? And the whole like program as a whole just seems kind of on edge right now. Right? Yes. It's a lot of question marks about like. You know, we talked uh, the the whole controversy around the eyes of Texas and all this stuff is like, what's it, it seems like a very fractured yes. environment there. I'm not saying the team is fractured, but I'm right. saying like it's a very interesting environment around the program right now. There's a lot of pieces that they have to pick up. Yeah. yeah. And the big question, I know that we've all talked about this before, is, hey, guess what? You're going to run the Steve Sarkeesian offense and Joshua Moore is going to be there instead of Devontae Smith. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that like, seems cool. like a big Jake deal. Smith instead of Jalen Waddle, like that's yeah. that's a huge step <laughs> that, down, man. That seems like a big deal. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Texas is going to be very good on offense next year. I'm not saying that they're not going to be awesome, but they have to be awesome, awesome to be able to win nine games. Yeah, right. Especially against this schedule, right? I, I think that eight is an okay push. Mm -hmm. Like I think that you could definitely hit eight. I think that's probably my most likely situation. Mm -hmm. But I, I definitely think it's very possible that they split Louisiana and at Arkansas, and then you enter Big 12 play with a loss on your record, yeah. and then you have to go play everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a tough road, I think, in his first year. And, and I want to be clear. This says nothing about what I think about Steve Sarkeesian or what mm -hmm. he can accomplish at Texas. Nothing like that. This is just saying, hey, man, this is going to be hard. It's going to be a while. <laughs> it's going to be a little while. Talk to me in 22. I think by 22, they could mm -hmm. be pushing for 10 wins. Talk mm -hmm. to me by 23. I think they could be pushing for the Big 12 by 23. And I feel like that's it's the same thing with, with any other program with a new coach. Right. You know, it's sure. going to take some time to, to develop that chemistry. Unless you walk in – yeah, unless you walk into a place where – I mean, not many coaches – not many programs hire – a new coach thinking they're ready to win now. Right. No. Some do. Right. Some take a big swing. Ready? Like, like even I feel like that's where Texas is at, though, too. Like, no, fair, I feel fair, like fair, they're fair, 100%, yeah. they're like, yeah, we're gonna win the national championship <laughs> this year under Stark. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, fair. Like, it, it, he wasn't, he wasn't somebody. The hire was an interesting, always an interesting hire because it seemed like a guy who, that seemed like a hire where you felt like the pieces were in place and you just needed a guy to put them all together. Yes. yes. I don't think that's the case at Texas. Yeah. Um. But it wasn't that you're right in the way that that is typically, you know, getting the hot shot coordinator from the big power to run your offense seems like the last step you take right. mm -hmm. when you're trying to get over that. Yeah. Hump. Yeah. So. And the last thing that I'll mention is that think back to Kirby Smart. OK. Yeah. Georgia. Kirby Smart took over a Georgia team that had back to back 10 win seasons mm -hmm. that had won double digit games four times in five seasons. And he went eight and five. Yeah. Right. Seven and five in the regular season. Like it didn't feel very good. Mm hmm. But that didn't mean that Kirby Smart wasn't good and wasn't going to be successful there. Yeah. It just meant, hey, he had to figure out what he had. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to be a year like that. I think this is a year that they could go 8-5, and five, right? right? I think 8-5 and five is probably, again, their most likely situation. That's not to say that they won't go 10-2 and two or whatever mm -hmm. in the next coming years. I just would preach patience when it comes to Texas. Yeah. So... Anyway, that's going to do it for us. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell, Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. Become a subscriber, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. We'll be back with you guys again next week to do the Group of Five version of this. We're going to go through every single one of those, so don't you wait. Uh, for Ishmael Johnson, for Mallory Hartley, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks so much for joining us, and be we'll be back with you guys again next week.